Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Today's episode is sponsored by the Read Harder Journal. Created by Book Riot, this smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read. Evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and to choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books. Get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant. Find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. Go to bookriot.com slash readharderjournal to get yours today. You're listening to All the Books a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 195, and today we are talking about books being released on February 12th, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello! 195! We're getting close to 200! We are, and we're going to do something fun at the 200th episode. There's There's some other changes going on, too! It's true! Um, so I guess the big one is there's some shuffling around of hosting as people who listened to last week's show noticed Kelly Jensen has joined the, all the books lineup. Um, Jen has rotated off and she's also on get booked and recommended and SFF. Yeah. And just has a ton going on. And I am dropping back to be on one episode per month. Um, so this will be my last episode in February. And because the March scheduling is crazy and we are taking the whole company on a retreat in March. Um, I won't be on the show in March. There will be an extra guest. So I will be back um, usually for the first week of each month um, starting in April. And that is just happening because the reading for this show is banana pants unless <laughs> you are Liberty Hardy and made out of like speed reading sparkles. Um, I just can't keep up with it anymore. So and I'm going to drop back and hopefully enjoy my reading life a little bit more and be here once a month with all of you glorious ATBs. I feel like that kid that the parents can't get a babysitter for. <laughs> I keep getting shuffled off. <laughs> you know, I think it's um I think it's actually kind of great. Like we have so many pot all the books was the second podcast that we ever had, I think. Um and now we have so many other podcasts that we have a ton of people doing really interesting and fun work hosting those other shows. And so the listeners here are going to get to meet more of those folks and hear a wider array of books. Um, so I think it's going to be cool. I'm excited to listen. Awesome. Yes. So what else? Um, I learned a valuable lesson today, if you'd like to oh, hear dear. it before we start I'm, talking about books. I'm chin hands. Yeah. So today I was like, gee, it's not that cold out. Might be a good day to wear a t-shirt dress and some leggings. So mm-hmm. I put on my t-shirt dress, and as I was looking for my leggings, it was the day that my kittens decided to scale me like the Empire State oh. Building. 
Yep, lesson learned. No dresses around kittens. No. My boyfriend was like, what is going on? And I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah. They've never, like, everyone's like, oh, they're going to climb all over you and they have tiny little nails. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. But they've never actually done it, really. Mm, and, and then. And then, whoa. Yeah, so that was no fun. That is no fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you have recovered. Yes. Yes, I duct taped them together. Um, no, I didn't. But... No, they're awesome, though. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Jasper, um, now that we're just doing Pet Corner for a moment, <laughs> Jasper is doing well. This morning on our walk, he picked up an empty airplane bottle of Woodford Reserve, which is <laughs> a, a nice bourbon. Too bad it was empty. Um, and also too bad that someone had just, like, thrown it into the street. But he picked it up and, like, ran back to me with it. And he was so proud. And I was like, oh, this is what you're going to retrieve. <laughs> I'm going to teach you to retrieve my whiskey. That's so funny. So you could stay tuned. Put it in a little barrel around his neck. I know. I was thinking like, well, he lacks, you know, the opposable thumbs to be able to pour me a whiskey. But if I stopped buying like regular bottles of booze and only bought like collections of airplane bottles and put them in a little basket, I could probably train him to like yeah. retrieve me a little bottle of bourbon. Get him one of those like baseball caps <laughs> that have like the beer can thing on the side with a straw. The foam dome. Yeah. And he could just come see you every once in a while. <laughs> Oh, it's genius. We are going to make him wear a little pack when we start taking him hiking so I can just <laughs> tuck it in there. Awesome. He's got to earn his keep. It's true. Yeah, kittens mm-hmm. never earn their keep. Let's say this, you know, big, large breed puppies, they eat a lot of kibble. He's got to start making it worth it for me. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. We are so far from what we were going to do. I know. Let's awesome. talk about books. Yes. My first pick today is Lost Children Archive by Valeria Luiselli. I love her writing. Most recently, she wrote A Story of My Teeth, which I think I talked about on the show. We've been Mm -hmm. doing this for so long now. I'm like, I think I talked about this a long time ago. It's crazy. So she's awesome. And this novel is about a family driving from New York City to Arizona. There is a mother, a father, a son who is 10, and a daughter who is 5. They remain mother, father, son, and daughter throughout the book. Although the mother is narrating the book, so she often says her husband, but she Mm. says son and daughter. Um, The daughter is actually hers. The son is the father's. They got together when the son was like five years old, um, and they've been married for five years. They met because they were both hired to capture the sounds of New York City. It was like a, a project that was being done, and they would go around and record all these different sounds, not just like car horns, but like the sounds of people walking and the sounds of people eating and what it sounds like when someone's eating pizza in New York City and just they fell in love while they were doing this. Um, And so now it's five years later and she has become involved uh, with a young mother uh, at her son's school. She actually has two older children um, who are in detention, a detention camp in Texas. She's from Mexico and her children, her older children, she left them behind to try and come to America and make a better life and she was sending money back, but her children uh, tried to cross the border and now they're in a detention camp and so she is working with this woman to try and help her and then she realizes like this is something that she's interested in the stories of the children who are in these camps and maybe it's something that she wants to work on meanwhile her husband tells her that he has taken a job he's going to do a project in arizona recording the sounds of the land of the apaches 
um, he's, his son is like, you know, why, why the Apaches? And he's like, because he was, they were the last of, of something. And I want, I want to record that. And so they decide they're going to go to Arizona and, and do this. So while they're driving across the country, they're listening to the news of the immigration crisis in the country and all these families being separated from their children. And also as they're taking this road trip, they're, own family is starting to unravel. It's their, first of all, like road trips wear down the best of anyone. You know? So true. So there, it's already kind of strained because her husband put his project before hers and she's agreed to go do this. And now they're driving across the country, listening to all the sadness. And it's basically like, are they going to make it to Arizona? And are they going to make it period? Um, it's broken up into these little tiny sections. She's such an original, interesting writer. Um, it's, it's just a very ambitious novel. It's big and lush and it's about love and marriage and, and taking care of children and immigration and the beauty in the world and the ugliness in the world and morality. I just, I just loved it. She's such a generous, conscientious writer and she's so, so wonderful and she really shines in this. It's Lost Children Archive by Valeria Luiselli. Oh boy. Um, my first pick this week came out last week. It's called How to Be Loved, A Memoir of Life-Saving Friendship by Eva Hagberg Fisher. Um, she had a really difficult – this is a memoir, um, as it – right, because I said that in the title of the book. <laughs> Off to a great start here on all the books. Um, she had a really rough childhood and young adulthood. She became an addict. She was using drugs and alcohol and making – the kinds of unhealthy and harmful decisions that people who are deeply into their addictions do. She she was continuing to have really awful relationships. Um, and she decided to get sober and she went to AA. And at an AA meeting, she befriended this woman who was a few decades older. Eva was in her late 20s when, um, when she makes these decisions to start to get clean. Um, she meets this woman who's a few decades older and who's been dealing with cancer for a very long time. Um, it's like the unlikeliest of friendships. This woman is really direct. Um, she's very just open and loving, and Eva has not experienced anything like that with someone. Um, she's never like had people in her life who showed up for her. And she also did not learn how to show up for people. Um, and she feels this friendship really become something powerful for her. Um, then when she is 30, um, she starts to get horrible headaches and eventually finds out that there was a mass growing in her brain that had been undetected previously. Um, they think like she has brain surgery. Her doctors can't quite figure out for a long stretch of time what's going on with her. She thinks maybe she is allergic to mold and she progressively like moves into different houses and then lives in the desert and then it like finds herself living in a tent in the middle of nowhere trying to avoid the mold that she thinks is everywhere that she also thinks is making her sick. Like it's a really... Um, painful and scary and desperate situation that she finds herself in. And sort of through it all, this friendship with the older woman slowly rewrites her understanding of relationships and really of like how to be human. So the book is called How to Be Loved, but it's so much about humanity, about the healing power of, um, of one really good whole relationship um, and how it teaches her to have you know, healthier, more complete relationships with other people in her life. She meets a man who becomes her husband. And it's just 
like it's a tough read. Um, she's very open on the page about sort of the details and the struggles of her addiction, of her recovery process, um, of her illness, of difficult experiences that she had in the past that shaped this. It's sort of it's all right there. Um, and the book is about essentially as this older friend loves her, she learns how to love herself and in so doing, then how to love other people. It's really, really gorgeous. It's so, uh, it's so it's just thoughtful, um, mindful of the experiences that she's had and of the power of the things that she's sharing and of what it is to like, tell honestly, the the deepest things that you believe to be true about yourself, um, and maybe to discover that those aren't true or that you can change them. I found it to be so inspiring and grounding and um, yeah, also just very uplifting how this relationship changes her. A nice reminder that we can grow through really difficult things. Um, so that's How to Be Loved, A Memoir of Life-Saving Friendship by Eva Hagberg Fisher. Okay. All right. And I get to tell you about our first sponsor this week. Yes, please. All right. Our good friends at Third Love are back. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of people who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind. And the results are a perfect fit and a premium feel. It's really simple. You answer a few questions to find your perfect fit. It only takes about 60 seconds. Once you receive your bra, you wear it, you wash it, you do all the normal life things that you would wear a bra for. You can test it out for 60 days. If you don't love it, you return it and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. It's all part of their 100% fit guarantee. This is hands down the most comfortable bra that you will own. We've both received um, some complimentary Third Love bras. I've had the t-shirt bra, which is super comfortable and has memory foam cups that form to your shape instead of you having to shove your shape into a bra. The straps don't slip. The labels don't have tags. So there's no weird itchy thing happening. And they um, also have a line of really soft and breathable cotton bras. They have some lacy sexier ones. There are some balconette options. There are unlined options, like whatever it is that you're looking for in a bra, you can probably find it at Third Love. Um, they also recently gave us some additional gifts and I got a couple pairs of their underwear and a really soft pajama top. And just everything that I've had from Third Love has been premium material. It's been comfortable to wear. It feels like casually luxurious, um, which now that I'm a woman of 36 years old, I really appreciate. Uh, so I just can't recommend it enough. Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone. And so right now they are offering all the books listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off. That's thirdlove.com slash books for 15% off today. I got a t-shirt bra again. I love yeah. the t-shirt bra. It's They're so, so comfortable. Yeah. It's like you don't even know that you're wearing it. I mean, mm -hmm. I know that I'm wearing it because if I wasn't, I wouldn't be able to talk to you in the microphone. You'd be like, <laughs> you'd be hearing me like this, but yeah, I mean, I know I have it on, but they're just so comfortable. They are. They're really great. I've, I've experienced, I think many people have experienced like thinking that you're finding the perfect bra and then you wear it a few times and it turns out to not be great or you wear it for a little while and it loses its shape. But everything that I've had from Third Love has been like durable and comfortable and wonderful. Okay. All right, Lib, let's roll on. I I have no segue. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a good one. 
My next pick is Early Riser by Jasper Ford. He of the Thursday Next series and many other series. So wonderful. This is not a Thursday Next book. Everyone keeps asking me that as soon as I mention that I was reading this. They're like, is it the new Thursday Next? It's not. And I think it's his first novel in like six years. Um, it's a standalone. It's wildly awesome, though, so be excited anyway. Uh, it's He's just so zany and imaginative, and I find that when I read his books, I have to read them a couple of times because there are things mm. I missed the first time because he's just too clever. So I just, I love this idea. Basically, it's in the future, and humans now hibernate. Like, it's winter, oh. eight months out of the year, so humans hibernate, and they bulk up, and they get ready for winter. Of course, it's like now, like, the rich get better things for sleep, you know, but it's only, it's only like 0.01% of the population stays awake. And they're called the winter consoles, and they watch over the people who are sleeping. Only like 0.01% of the population stays awake, and they watch over the people who are sleeping, and they are called the winter consoles. And so they're the hero of the book is Charlie Worthing. He is new to the Winter Consoles. This is his first season and he's really excited and he gets to meet the, his mentor. Like he's going to show him out the ropes and he's really great. This other guy who's really famous within the Winter Consoles and he's like immediately killed. His boss is like immediately killed and that's bad and all these things start going wrong. It's not, not a great way to start out your new job. Uh, so, there, first of all, there's a viral dream that is infecting the sleepers, and it's actually killing some people. Uh, it's just this really weird dream that everyone is sharing. There's also the Night Stalkers, who are cannibals. And there are also the villains, and all sorts of other un assorted undesirables that stay awake while people are sleeping. It's kind of like some of the people that he works with, they're no good. They're criminals and they're terrible. It's kind of like the Night's Watch from Game of Thrones. It's like not great people join this. Uh, so Charlie really has his hands full trying to keep everything going, keep people from being snacks. Uh, it's just so much fun. The world building is amazing. It's just amazing. I will say it kind of starts out slow because there's so so much explaining that he needs to do to get you into this world, but it just keeps building and building and just keeps rolling like an avalanche until you get to the end. He's just so amazing. I also highly recommend, if you were like, what is Thursday next? What is she talking about? <laughs> Go back and start reading his first novel, The Air Affair, E-Y-R-E. -E. He's just so clever and great. So again, this one is Early Riser, and it's by Jasper Ford. That's Ford, F-F-O-R-D-E. It's F-F-U-N. <laughs> I was wondering what that second one was going to be. Um, I've been meaning to read him forever. Oh, it's so great. Like the Thursday Next series is about a detective who is trying to solve uh, crimes because characters are being stolen from their novels. <laughs> That's it's super awesome. fun. Yeah. Um, all right. I kind of have an accidental theme, I guess, this week. Uh, my second pick is The Unwinding of the Miracle, A Memoir of Life, Death, and Everything That Comes After by Julie Yip Williams. This also came out last week on February 5th. But is and it I a memoir? I, it is a memoir. <laughs> <laughs> it's a memoir that is a memoir. I am purred happily and this is a memoir. <laughs> Look, it's been a week. Um, so this, man, this is a powerful and difficult book. Um, Julie Yip Williams had a really amazing life story. She was born in Vietnam in the late 70s, and she was born blind. Um, her grandmother encouraged her parents to have her euthanized um, because <sighs> they, uh, yes, because she 
didn't think that they could make a that, that Julie had a chance at a good life, um, given the circumstances that, that her, their family was in in Vietnam in the late seventies. Um, her parents couldn't go through with it, and so she lived. Um, they were on a boat with hundreds of other refugees and left Vietnam and ultimately made their way to America, where she eventually received surgery that gave her partial sight. Um, she became a Harvard-educated lawyer. She met a wonderful man who became her husband. They had two little girls. And then um, in her 30s, and she was 37, I think, she was diagnosed with terminal colon cancer. And she writes this book about the process of reckoning with that. It opens with one of those, you know, if you're reading this, I'm not here anymore. Uh, kinds of, I know, kinds of stories. And she she writes sections of it to her daughters. She writes about thinking about the lives that they won't have um, or the moments that they'll have that she won't be around for and what that will be like. Um, she writes about the really difficult things, but also some moments of like surprising joy and surprising beauty that she finds and how um, the perspective shift that she has after this diagnosis changes some of her relationships in you know, interesting and fruitful ways. Um, it's a tough read. Like it took me, I don't know, two and a half weeks to get through it um, in little bites, but it's very, it, it's very much about how the process of dying informs the way that we think about living. Um, and she has a lot to say that I think is the kind of thing that we should all, like if we are lucky enough to be healthy, that we should all be thinking about as we live our healthy lives. And if we're dealing with health issues of any kind, um, bringing this perspective is, I think, also really valuable and important to like to look at what the end of someone's life can teach us about the ways that we want to spend our days. Um, not an easy book, but there's so much just wonderful stuff to be found here. And her sentences are really beautiful. Like it's a powerful story. Um, and her perspective on this death sentence is different because she was born blind and did not expect to have the life that she's had. So she has kind of faced it down once already. And that informs everything else that, um, that she takes on, but it's just it's a wonderful book. Um, it did take me forever to read. I think if you are going to go in with this, like going in eyes wide open, that it will be hard. Um, if there's anyone close to you that is dealing with cancer, it's even tougher. Um, but I do thoroughly recommend it. It's one of the sort of best meditations from a, a life sort of inside a terminal illness um, that I've ever come across. Again, it's The Unwinding of the Miracle by Julie Yip Williams. Oh, yep. I talk about cannibals. Say my next segment is happier. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so my next pick is The Heavens by Sandra Newman. She wrote The Country of Ice Cream Star, which mm. I love. That was like this post-apocalyptic novel where all the adults died and, and kids couldn't get past a certain age. They couldn't age over like 18, I think. So, so good. Um, mm -hmm. This one's a little different, but it's still unbelievable because her way with language is so incredible, just jaw-dropping. Uh, it's set in the 16th century, in the future, and in present day. I don't want to give away too much of the plot because it, there's a lot of things that would tip what's happening. So I'll just tell you that. Uh, it's about a couple named Ben and Kate. Uh, it's set in an alternate New York City in the year, starts off in the year 2000, 
um, there's a woman president. The earth is in good shape. It's like a, it's like our dream world. Mm. It's it's very progressive. It's not you know it's obviously a dream. Um, but so there's that in this world. It's like two, the year 2000, and they meet at a party and they fall in love. Now Kate has started having these dreams. She believes that she in her dreams that she's a woman named Amelia in Elizabethan England, uh, and these dreams are so realistic to her, and they become stronger when she's with Ben. And also, her actions within the dreams seem to affect the world that she wakes back up to. Like, she has these strange dreams, makes decisions, and then when she wakes up, it's kind of like a dream butterfly effect. Hmm. Uh, The world has changed because of things that she's seen or thought in her dreams. And people are concerned for her because she wakes back up and she doesn't know what's going on. And she's like, what are you talking about? That's not the president. This is the president. And they're like, hmm... No. So it's just really fascinating and fun. It's also a little funny. Um, Sandra Newman is hilarious. I mean, she's hilarious. I, everyone should go follow her on Twitter immediately because she is a scream and she's so witty. I just absolutely love her. Now I'm just fangirling out, so I'm going to stop there. But this book is great fun. It's called The Heavens and it's by Sandra Newman. All right. Your turn to tell me about a sponsor. Our next sponsor is 99% Mine by Sally Thorne. From the author of The Hating Game comes a new romantic comedy about twins struggling over an inheritance and the sexy best friend who gets in the middle. Darcy Barrett meets her dream man when she is eight years old, and the rest of the male population has been a letdown ever since. No one measures up to Tom Valeska, whose only flaw is that her twin brother Jamie saw him first and claimed him forever as his best friend. Tom's off-limits and loyal to Jamie 99%, and for Darcy, 1% of him used to be enough, but this time around, she's switching things up. I talked Ooh. about this on the podcast a couple weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Last, I, you it's did. It's all a blur to me now. <laughs> like, everything with kittens is a blur. They go by, they're a blur. Life is a blur. It's all a blur. It's really fun, It's and it's, we thank them for sponsoring. Again, it's called 99% Mine, and it's by Sally Thorne. All right. Now on to something happy. Um, my next pick is The Book of Delights by Ross Gay. It is out this week, February 12th. Um, on his birthday one year, Ross Gay finds himself writing a little essay about a thing that he saw that day that delighted him. And he decides he's going to try to do this every day for a year, from one birthday to the next. Um, he's not sure what he's going to do with these when he starts. He also knows that he's going to like give himself permission to skip some days. But this book is the the result of that experiment, that meditation. Um, and it is so surprisingly lovely. I was not familiar with any of Ross Gay's writing before, um, but he is also a poet and that comes through so clearly in the prose. Um, that like this is not, you know, today I saw a lovely bird and here is what the bird made me think of. It's like it might be that the thing that he delighted him that day was a bird, but these the essays sort of meander and they come back on themselves and he takes little diversions and it's just lovely. Like I really enjoyed spending time inside his brain um, and learning about the things that delight him. There is stuff from the natural world. You know, he loves his garden. He writes about birds sometimes, you know, loving the trees, um, but also talking about um, 
I don't know, a friend of his who like loves to use air quotes. Um, or there's a piece about the nod that black people do as they recognize or acknowledge each other on the street um, and what that experience is like for him in different parts of the country. Um, some of the pieces are really short. They're like a paragraph or two long. Some of them range to three to five pages. And this book also took me a couple weeks to finish, but it's because I wanted to dole it out to myself and just read a few essays at a time. Um, Mary Oliver, who you know I've been thinking a lot about lately, said that attention is the beginning of devotion. And I feel like there's a lot of that running through the Book of Delights, that this is about what did Roske pay attention to or what caught his attention. And he writes about that, like, as he did this practice, and he thinks of it as a practice of noticing things that delight him, he started to notice more things that delighted him. It got easier to see them, and he began to see more of them. Um, and the way that that builds on itself through the course of the book is also really interesting and beautiful. Um, so that is The Book of Delights by Roske. Imagine if it was called The Book of Delights and it was like, this is the saddest book that I read this week. <laughs> Tricked you. You know, literary fiction would do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. My next pick is called The Psychology of Time Travel by Kate Mascaranis. It's billed, it was billed as for fans of the power and hidden figures. So I was <laughs> like, huh, okay. And it's awesome. It's so much fun. It starts in 1967. There are four women scientists. They're living together in this house in the country, and they have figured out how to travel through time. Like, they're all geniuses, and they've worked together, and they've figured out time travel. Um, it's this huge, Amazing. huge breakthrough for, like, the whole world, and it's going to be a huge deal. But one of them suffers a breakdown after using the machine, like, after they try it out. Uh, and it's really bad. And... But these the other three women realize, like, they need to go on without her because this is bigger than her. Uh, and mm -hmm. so they use time travel to erase her contributions to the project. And so then it's present day, if you can say that in time travel. And time travel is like a no big deal. Everybody does it kind of thing. And there's a woman named Ruby. She's in her 20s. And she knows that her grandmother was a part of the group, but she's not allowed to discuss it. She just knows that, like, she had something to do with the invention of time travel. Uh, and then a newspaper clipping is sent anonymously from the future, which is so cool. Like, <laughs> your mail's here before you knew it was coming. Um, and it's, uh, it's about an unidentified woman's murder. And so Ruby thinks that this newspaper clipping has something to do with her grandmother. Like, is the body that they found her grandmother? Like, is it another version of her? Who is it? She becomes obsessed with finding out. Um, the book is so interesting because it explores, like, what happens to your mind when you time travel. Like, what happens when you keep stretching your brain like that, going all these places? And also, what happens to your personality when you exist as several different versions of yourself at the same time, or that you know that there are several different versions of yourself at the same time. Like, what, the, what does that do to your brain? I will admit, I will say that it did get a little confusing at times, but that might have just been me, because the author is obviously brilliant, um, and it's just such a fun concept. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's The Psychology of Time Travel by Kate Mascaranis. Well, speaking of time travel... My next recommendation doesn't come out for a few weeks. So this segment is coming to you from the future. Awesome. All right. It's Savage Feast, Three Generations, Two Continents, and a Dinner Table by Boris Fishman. It comes out on February 26th, and it's coming out in a really beautiful deckled edge hardcover. So if that's your jam, 
take note. Uh, This is a food memoir that, like most food food memoirs, is about much more than the food. Boris Fishman um, grew up, he was, well, he was a child in Soviet Belarus. Um, His parents were brought together by a dish, a special dish. Um, And his grandmother lived through the Holocaust. Um, There were just all kinds of struggles happening in Boris's family, and many of them around food and related to hunger. Um, his family eventually comes to America, but food is even more important here in his experience of things. And he begins to travel and understand you know, food throughout the world and food as a central piece of his identity, but also a central piece of his relationships. I am not all the way through this yet, but I'm really really enjoying it. I love a food memoir. This one also has recipes um, built in throughout it. And if you like the genre of food memoir, I think you know that most of the time, the talk about food is just a way into talking about bigger, you know, broader human stories. And if you're like, oh, I'm not really a food person, I don't need to read books like this. Well, usually they're about bigger, broader human stories and not so specifically about the food. So I'm really enjoying this one so far. Um, I won't be here later in the month to talk about it. So this is a keep your eyes out for Savage Feast by Boris Fishman on February 26th. I really liked his novel. I think I talked about it on the show a couple years ago. Don't let, Oh, I haven't read it. Don't let my baby do rodeo. Hmm. Yeah, he's cool. I'm looking forward to reading that. Cool. Okay. Well, then we can talk about it together sometime. Yeah. Those are new and recently new and also upcoming books from the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you going to read next, Liv? Uh, as soon as we finish... Dis- I can't talk. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> as soon as we finish this today, I'm going to read The Vanishing Stare by Maureen Johnson. I have had it for four days and I have not read it. It's making me mad. It's the sequel <laughs> to Truly Devious and life just keeps getting in the way and I want to read it so, so much because I said this on all the backlist a couple weeks ago. I think Truly Devious is such a great book. It's so much fun. Young adult mystery. And this is the sequel. So, so excited. What are you going to read? I'm going to read Advice Not Given, A Guide to Getting Over Yourself by Mark Epstein, MD. Um, He is the rare combination of a psychiatrist and Buddhist teacher. Yes, and a juggler. Maybe he can juggle. I don't know. Um, He's a psychiatrist and a Buddhist teacher. He's written a lot about Buddhism and about meditation. Um, And this is a look at um, how Buddhism and psychotherapy, which is a pretty distinctly Western idea. So they're, you know, developed in totally different times and places and under very different philosophies, um, have not much in common, but both of them talk a lot about the ego. And um, this is a look as the subtitle, A Guide to Getting Over Yourself, would indicate at um, dealing with our egos. Um, not so much in the, like, getting a big head sense, but in the, like, you know, understanding of the self and the ego through a Buddhism or mindfulness lens. Um, I haven't started it yet, but I'm really looking forward to it. I've heard a lot of great things about Mark Epstein's work, so I'm excited to find out for myself. Awesome. Yeah. As someone who likes both psychology and, and meditation. Oh, <laughs> and juggling. <laughs> I'm going to teach Jasper how to juggle. He can uh, be the world's, maybe not first, but a juggling golden retriever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we got we to gotta retrieve the whiskey first. <laughs> oh, Jasper. I want to I meet him. I hope I get to meet I him know. soon. I know. You need to come visit while he's still a baby. I need to get away from these crazy kittens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our show 
this week, be sure to check out the Read Harder Journal. Also, thank you to Third Love. Don't forget to go to thirdlove.com slash books to get 15% off your first order and to 99% mine by Sally Thorne. If you have something to say to us, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You're actually dropping Liberty a line um, as the sort of head of the show now. She checks that email. Um, you can talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you like the show, take a minute to rate or review it on apple podcasts and that helps other people find their way to us and as much as we would love to tell you about more books out now we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and in the meantime <laughs> in the meantime happy, happy reading, reading.